Welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with your host, Eddie Rye Jr. And uh, co-host of today is Hayward Evans, because we have a lot to talk about. A, a big event that's coming up on Monday. It's the 54th anniversary of the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. As you know, he lost his life helping the black garbage workers in Union get paid their just due. And talking about a just due, our first guest is Dr. Brent Jones, who is the superintendent of the Seattle Public Schools. Uh, he was a very high-ranking individual under the Juno administration back in the day, director of human resources. And he departed and he has come back and uh, as first as interim superintendent. And after the last three uh, failures in terms of searching for a superintendent, the board finally came to grips with the fact that we had a local product, a graduate of Franklin High School, uh, esteemed uh, character and uh, knows education and knows people. And I'm talking about none other than Dr. Brent Jones, the newly uh, appointed uh, superintendent of Seattle Public Schools. So congratulations, first of all, sir, for uh, getting uh, your just due. Uh, we know I won't dwell on the uh, last superintendent. I'll leave that up to Rita Green and the gang. But anyway, uh, tell us exactly what's happening. There's been some controversy now about the mask and all that stuff. But before we go to that first question, why don't you just take a couple of minutes and share your background with our listening audience? Uh, thank you, Mr. Rye. I really appreciate having time to speak with you. And, uh, you know, me being from this area, as you mentioned, I'm a Franklin High School graduate. Uh, my mother taught in Seattle Public Schools. My daughter is a graduate of Seattle Public Schools. Uh, it, this, is, this is all very deeply personal to me. I, I've worked at Seattle Public Schools in, in a variety of capacities. And, um, you know, I think there was, a, there was an opportunity. Everything came together. And so May 2021, the, this current school board asked me to come serve as, as the interim superintendent. Uh, and I, and then, you know, two weeks ago, uh, the board decided, uh, and I decided to make this a permanent operation and a permanent appointment. And so I was uh, appointed to the permanent role, uh, that's relatively speaking in urban school district. I don't know about permanent, but the regular role of the, of the superintendent, uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm ready to serve my community. I'm ready to, uh, really lift up the things that we've been talking about for years and years and years. And we've had uh, really good identification and recognition of the challenges that are in front of us. Now is the opportunity to make some, some outcomes uh, come, come forward. So uh, thank you again for having me here today. And I, I look forward to, to talking with you. Okay, I'd just like to know what your visions are now. We've, you know, we had a complicated past couple of years and it might get to be even worse, but we have this whole thing now around schools, especially with some of the people to the extreme right about critical race theory and all this stuff. The critical race theory is all they're, they're opposing is the fact of what happened to black folks in the United States of America from slavery on. They don't want that taught. And now it's going to uh, this deal now where they're even uh, opposing uh, any kind of uh, gender education. And so I just want to know uh, what impact does that have on uh, your role and the school district's role? Are you facing the same challenges from those uh, uh, parents? I think by, by default we are. However, our, our city has uh, our board, our, uh, our senior leadership team and myself, we're committed to talking about the needs and outcomes for students of color furthest from educational justice. And to do that, we need to have culturally responsive curriculum, culturally responsive teachers. We need to have a welcoming environment. And through all that, we need to tell the truth. 
And so we're not shying away from, uh, from teaching facts, teaching history that is accurate. Um, fortunately for us, we haven't felt too much pressure around uh, the, the CRT rhetoric. Uh, that's really, frankly, a, a higher ed concept that they talk about in, in law, law school. But we're, we are focused on uh, making sure that we have culturally responsive courses. We have ethnic studies, Black studies, Native American history being, being taught. We have uh, Filipino studies courses. We are really making sure we're being culturally responsive to our families. And so, uh, yes, we have uh, some people that want to have us have a narrower focus around uh, how we teach. But at Seattle Public Schools, I think across the board, 99% uh, of us believe that we should be teaching accurate uh, history and her story uh, with, with our students. So uh, our board is really focused on making sure that we have anti-racist practices and that we are inclusive of and represent our student body. And so uh, you'll see that uh, in, in a, on all 105 of our schools that we, we are not teaching uh, a very narrow set of uh, concepts. We are, we are trying to teach the truth. So uh, I appreciate the question, but we are we are focused. And why don't you give our listening audience some kind of idea of how many students you have in Seattle Public Schools and how many teachers and how many staff do you have? Yeah, we have uh, about a little less than 50,000 students in Seattle Public Schools. And we have 105 schools. Uh, we have, uh, in terms of headcount, we have about 8,000 employees, uh, about 3,500 teachers, uh, and we have uh, a principal core of about 200, including the uh, assistant principals and principals. So we have a we have a large workforce, and um, and that's that that's that kind of summarizes what we have in terms of uh, our staffing. And a lot of people in the community want to know: Are you going to be able to build your own team, your own administrative team? Because I understand now quite a few of the people that you have uh, came from the past administration and a lot of people are really dissatisfied with the past administration. Sure. Well, everybody on my administrative team is and will be focused on uh, outcomes for students. Uh, that is the commitment that's required to, to serve this district in a proper way. Uh, we want to be strategic and we want to make sure, again, we have outcomes that we, we have not yielded over the last uh, several years and decades, we have to have a team that's extraordinarily focused on, on outcomes. Uh, for the last 10 years, we've had policy that have been great policies. They talk about ensuring educational and racial equity, but we haven't had the same, we haven't had the outcomes to go with it. And so my senior leadership team is going to be comprised of folks that are committed to that. And that's great. Now, there's another real touchy subject. A uh, little over uh, 11 years ago, uh, there was a big scandal at the school district. My name was prominently mentioned in it because I introduced <laughs> Silas Potter to a lot of folks. Yes. And there was a lot of things going on that his boss knew about that didn't reveal to a lot of the folks, Black folks who were in private business. And we noticed, uh, I don't know what your numbers look like right now, but as soon as one Black guy stole some money, that killed the whole program. The media had a field day with it. Uh, at the same time that Silas Potter was doing that, uh, four or five white males were bankrupting Washington Mutual, the largest bankruptcy of uh, bank failure in the history of America. But there was little or no publicity about that. Will there be an effort to engage 
uh, organizations like the National Association of Minority Contractors and others to come in and assist with making sure that there's participation by African-Americans and other, other people of color. Uh, we don't know what your numbers are right now, but if you could get that, we'd appreciate having that. But we're willing to work with you to develop the programs that are necessary. Because, you know, Washington State has been without affirmative action for 23 years. And a lot of people just use that. As a matter of fact, when it first passed, one white employee at Kane County said, oh, we're not going to do business with Black people any longer. And that's exactly who suffered the brunt of not having affirmative action was primarily African descendants of the United States enslaved. The Black folks has been here 400 years. I just want to know, have you reviewed that participation level? And are you open to meeting with uh, representatives from the National Association of Minority Contractors and the Washington State Civil Rights Coalition to talk about a plan? I, I have reviewed those numbers and they're inadequate. Uh, I, I think it's unfortunate that uh, that incident, uh, as you cited uh, very well, 11 years ago, uh, was was able to be painted as a brushstroke as if uh, the minority contractors, the black minority and minority contractors weren't worthy of having business with Seattle Public Schools. Uh, I think it's, a, it's an opportunity that we have in front of us. And I'm overdue to have a conversation with you and uh, actually Mr. Evans about this that I committed to last time we talked. And so, uh, yes, our numbers aren't where they need to be. And I think regionally we're caught up in the, the eradication of affirmative action. And I do think it's been, has a disproportionate impact on uh, black contractors and black businesses. So uh, you hear me saying, I'm very open to uh, meeting with those groups that you, that you talked about and our numbers aren't adequate right now. Okay. If you could uh, uh, get some information from uh, purchasing and uh, uh, construction services, uh, I mean, it's public information, but if you could get that and share that with us, it would be greatly appreciated because we want to be proactive. If we see uh, some shortcomings, we want to make sure that, you know, you are going to become the stellar superintendent that you're going to be. We want to make sure in all areas. So uh, the other thing is, what is right now, what is your most, first of all, I got to talk about the mass situation. Uh, now, there, the governor's waived well, mandatory mass situation. So there are no masks worn in schools right now. Is that what is, what's going on? So we have, uh, so the governor lifted the uh, statewide mandate on, on masks. Uh, and so that was one of our multiple uh, mitigation strategies. And when I say mitigation strategies, that comes from vaccinations to testing, to distancing, to changing uh, and improving air filtration and the like. So we've had multiple things that we're doing. The masks are just one of the one of the elements. Clearly, it's a, a, a highly political, highly volatile element, but we, uh, we have strongly encouraged um, staff and students to wear a mask. And, and I've been out in schools in the last uh, couple of weeks, and I'm seeing a, a high uh, usage of masks. Our, our students have decided to keep their mask on. Some haven't. Uh, our, our staff have decided to keep their mask on and some haven't, but uh, we've done a pretty good job over the last two years of keeping folks safe. Uh, I stand by what we've done. Uh, I think we've, we've, we've administered uh, 36,000 uh, tests. We've given out uh, 13,000 vaccinations. Uh, we've been a public health agency over the last uh, couple years. And I, I think we've done a an extraordinary job. But uh, the mask issue is uh, something that uh, we are monitoring closely, but our numbers are down. And I think our, 
our students and staff have been uh, very, very safe. Well, uh, Super Dr. Brent Jones, we've been joined by another Quaker from Franklin High School who happens to be the chair of the House Education Committee, and her name is Representative Sharon Tomiko Santos. So uh, Quaker to Quaker, Representative Santos, would you like to say a greeting to your fellow Quaker? I sure would, and I have to say, I am so proud of Dr. Brent Jones. I want to uh, publicly congratulate him. I think I sent a, a private message. Um, I'm really so thrilled that the school board saw fit to appoint not only an educator, uh, but an educator who is native to this system and who understands um, our unique uh, community of being the Seattle Public Schools, our unique challenges, and further uh, being one of a line of educators for the Seattle Public Schools. I just couldn't be more proud um, of you, Dr. Jones, and I look so forward to being able to partner with you um, throughout your tenure. Your, your pride in me is meaningful. You, you've been an advocate and a partner in this work for so long, and you, you've paved the way for somebody like me to be in this seat. So I, I thank you, and I appreciate it. From one Quaker to another, uh, I, I just appreciate what you've done so far with the legislative work that you've done uh, and all the community work. So uh, I appreciate your partnership, and I'm looking forward to us really making strides on these outcomes that are long overdue. So, so thank you, Representative. Uh, Sharon Tomiko Santos. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Jones. And I'm just going to tell you a secret. Um, at the risk of alienated uh, all of our Garfield friends in uh, Mr. Rye's listening audience, because you hey, know- Hayward is a Ballard Beaver. Oh, Ballard Be oh, hey, Beaver. Beaver. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, a few years ago, uh, Mr. Rye was inducted into the Garfield uh, 50 Hall of Fame. Um, and uh, I had uh, the good honor uh, and privilege to be able to participate, even though I was a Quaker, uh, in terms of attending and watching and witnessing this wonderful event. But of course, you know, I had to go up representing, so I dressed for the event in my uh, green and black. So, just saying. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, one thing that we talk about is, is having a a welcoming and safe environment. So we welcome in the, the beavers and the bulldogs into this, uh, this to this collective. So uh, there you go. <laughs> and, and, and I and I, I meant to wear my green today as well, but I forgot. So uh, we're, we're always representing Franklin and the rest of the schools. Thank you. There you go. There you I'm go. Now you're wearing Valley. some Seattle public school color today. I know you are. Yes. Yes. <laughs> got to be somebody that's got blue, but Ingram and West Seattle, I think. There you go. All right. Well, Dr. Jones, I want to thank you very much. Uh, we're going to continue with Representative Santos. Uh, she got a chance to hear some of what you're doing. I know you'll be working very closely with her, getting whatever the state has to offer to improve the quality of education for the students in the Seattle Public School District. So thank you very much. And we at Hayward and the National Association of Minority Contractors and Washington Civil Rights Coalition look forward to getting the data from this uh, for the Seattle School District so we can be proactive and come together with some uh, decisions and some programs and policies that will increase the participation of the people who are being denied. So thank you very much, sir. Yeah, we'll see I, you Monday. Uh, as a matter of fact, hey, what is happening Monday night with Dr. Jones? Uh, Monday night, uh, 54th anniversary assassination of Dr. King. It's our day of remembrance. 
And we wanted to incorporate it throughout Martin Luther King County, if not the nation. Every April 4th is a day to remember those who've passed away in the movement for civil rights. We need to advocate and remember the people. Then we need to honor the people like you, Representative Santos, who are still alive, but who've dedicated their lives to improve the quality of life and bring about equality in our community. But again, congratulations. Uh, Thelma D. Witte, first African-American in Seattle Public Schools, the award's named after her, and you're receiving it. Congratulations. Well-deserved, Dr. Jones. I'm so honored. And, and okay, you have all right now. So thank you very much for your time today, Dr. Brett, and we'll be in touch. All right. Thank you so much. Take care. Okay. All right. Bye. Now we'll go to uh, the other Quaker on the line, and that's Representative Sharon Tomiko Santos, the state representative of the 37th District and chair of the House Education Committee. And before she gets started, I want everybody to know when you drive down Jackson and see that building on 22nd and Jackson, that is the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority. And that was brought to fruition by Representative Santos sponsoring House Bill 1918 that passed unanimously in the House and the Senate in 2019. And a board of directors has been formed. Dr. Raven Lewis is the president of that board. And they will be a award recipient too. And the award will be presented by none other than the individual that sponsored House Bill 1918, our representative, Sharon Tomiko Santos. So in addition to that, Representative Santos, tell us uh, quickly about what happened this past session that you like and also a couple of dislikes. Sure. Well, first of all, uh, let me also say hello to my friend, uh, Hayward Evans. Um, glad to know that uh, you're also on the line. I'm looking forward to seeing everyone in person on April 4th. Um, and I appreciate uh, your words, Hayward. Uh, it is a day to remember. It's a, a day to remember not only those who have come before us, but those uh, those very individuals who inspire us to do the work that we do today because the struggle continues. Um, and we have to recognize and give encouragement to those who are today leading in the struggle. Um, and so I'm so uh, honored uh, to be able to, to make a presentation. Uh, thank you for inviting me to do that uh, to Dr. Lewis and to the board uh, of the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority. They have been doing some awesome work. I'm so excited about the work that they're doing. And in fact, um, to your question, Eddie, one of the things that we were able to do is to um, put a, a, a one more, one additional million dollars, I don't know how to say that, an additional one million dollars uh, into the capital budget for the Community Preservation and Development Authority to continue with its effort to rehabilitate the building uh, to its former glory and purpose, and that is to support the community around the Central District and the economic development of that community, primarily in uh, remembrance of people like uh, Reverend Dr. McKinney, who understood that without um, economic self-sufficiency, uh, that uh, a people will never truly be free. And so that's something that um, I'm very, very proud of. Um, similarly, um, as you well know, I'm very uh, happy that I was able to find um, and appeal to the budget writers to put in a million dollars. Well, excuse me. 
I asked for a million dollars and it was in the house originally, but it, we still have half a million dollars um, towards the MLK Gandhi Empowerment Initiative to make sure that we are providing the kind of job training and mentoring and um, uh, access to employment opportunities for the descendants of African-American slaves who have been shut out of the, the just monumental prosperity in this region thanks to tech and so uh with your leadership uh with the leadership of the board of directors for um the mlk gandhi empowerment initiative i'm very proud that we'll be able to have those students concentrate on their training so that uh they won't have to worry about um how are they going to pay their rent how are they going to buy their groceries so that half million dollars is there to leverage other dollars and will go towards paying a stipend uh, for students while they're going through that training. So I'm very, very proud of, of that work. And uh, tell us a little bit, I also wanna let, let the listening audience know, the Central District Community Preservation Development Authority is also known as the McKinney Center for Community and Economic Development. The late Reverend Dr. Samuel Berry McKinney was responsible for having that building, building erected because it was a Seattle OIC and unfortunately, in 1980, Ronald Reagan uh, defunded all the manpower programs, so that left a lot of boys and a lot of Black communities throughout the country. So uh, I just want to let folks know that as well. Uh, Representative Santos, what were some of the other achievements you had or some of the other issues you'd like to discuss with uh, our listeners today in terms of the last session? Well, I think it's important. Um, so these are not necessarily directly related to me, but I think that they would be of interest to your audience. Um, we had, you know, this is a supplemental year, which means that it's the second year of the biennium. That's why it's only 60 days instead of 105 days. Typically, we don't do a lot uh, during this uh, period of time. It's more for adjustments, taking into account, um, you know, what, uh, what changes there may be in terms of tax collections or what changes there may be in terms of enrollment at school or in our um, uh, long-term care uh, facilities. Um, this year, we were set up very differently in part because of all of the recovery dollars that we had from the federal government. And so um, that put us in a very good place to do a lot of work, uh, both in the operating budget, as well as in the transportation budget, as well as in the capital budget. I already mentioned the million dollars that we put in there for um, this uh, CDCPDA. Um, but some of the other things that your listeners may not know about is uh, last year, um, we advanced uh, legislation uh, to recognize Juneteenth. You might know that as an official state uh, day. Um, what we did not do, unfortunately, and it was an oversight more than anything else, and that's why these supplemental years are important. They're, they're there to help us correct oversights. It, we did not include that, that Juneteenth day in our academic calendar so that schools and uh, school districts would properly take uh, the time to recognize this day. So we, we uh, changed that. Um, that was uh, legislation advanced by Representative Melanie Morgan, who, by the way, also uh, advanced legislation to create what we call the Community Reinvestment uh, Fund. 
So uh, that is legislation that is really aimed at, again, reinvesting in um, underserved uh, poor communities throughout the state of Washington. So it's, um, it's kind of like the CPDA, but it doesn't have an authority around it per se. It's a fund, but it's really directed to help make sure that people of color uh, who are taxpaying members of our state are able as communities uh, to share in the bounty of the state. I think that that's one of the really important pieces of legislation that we passed this last year. Um, you asked me also what I'm, I was disappointed about. Um, and I have to say, I have been, uh, there's, there's something that I'm waiting on pins and needles about. Um, usually when I put in a budget request, I'm usually very excited about it. And one of the programs uh, that I was very excited to uh, see funding for, uh, again, and to be able to ask for is um, to have our commissions, our ethnic commissions, meaning the Commission on African American Affairs, the Commission on Asian Pacific American Affairs, the Commission on Hispanic Affairs, uh, and the uh, Government's Office on Indian Affairs revisit uh, their, their um, historic 2008 um, educational opportunity gap studies. That set off a whole string of legislation that was specifically aiming at ending disproportionality and ending uh, practices uh, in our schools that target uh, and bring harm to children of color rather than supporting our children of color. So we were able to uh, advance a request for a million dollars between those four agencies to redo the 2008 studies, given that there's so much that has happened uh, in the intervening years. I was very disappointed that the budget writers decided uh, that the commissions uh, were not um, worthy to be able to do those studies on their own and instead needed assistance from uh, the governor's office through the Office of Equity. Again, I would remind uh, you and your audience, the, commission, the commissions did this with researchers from our community. So that was part of the beauty. It was listening to community and having researchers who have the lived experience of our communities providing studies um, uh, back to the government so that we could understand from a policy standpoint what we needed to do. Um, so it put me in the position of having to write to the governor and request a veto of the very money that I had originally asked to be put into the budget in the first place. That was a huge disappointment. I think it is an insult uh, to our commissions and all of the good people, both in the past and currently, who serve on those commissions. Uh, it is the equivalent of a slap in the face to, to commissions that have been advising the governor and the legislature for more than 50 years. And so I just want the audience to understand it makes me incredibly sad, but more, it makes me incredibly angry that I had to ask for a veto of money I worked hard to try and get into the budget. Well, you know, uh, as always, uh, we really appreciate your efforts because we know that you're down like the back in the 60s, the Panther days, we say you're down for the people. 
So we know that, <laughs> and uh, you're, 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 you have results to, to demonstrate that. Uh, we can look at uh, MLK Gandhi. We can look at the CDCPA. We can look at other things that you've done. And in your younger days, you were also out in the streets as, as a serious <laughs> activist. Uh, so, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. hopefully uh, we don't have to get back out there. I don't even want to talk about what's happening in Washington, D.C., but it's mm. absolutely amazing uh, uh, how uh, treacherous uh, some politics are uh, by oh. some people. So, But Representative Santos, we look forward to seeing you Monday uh, to yes, do sir. the pre presentation to Dr. Raven Lewis and the CPCDA board. So thank you very much, and I will be in touch with you real soon. Thank you. Okay. Thank you thank so you. much, Eddie. Thank you, Hayward. Good to see you both. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Okay, Eric, we're going to take a break and come back after this. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community, and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion, and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the Port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at Port Seattle. Org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.ctacshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Live Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. We don't need to utter but three words to tell this nation what we are talking about. They aren't big words. You don't need to have a great vocabulary to utter them. You don't need to have a philosophical bent to grasp them. They are three little words. But we want to let the world know that these words describe what we mean and what we are determined to do about racial injustice. One is the word all. We don't want some of our rights. We don't want a few token handouts here and there. We want all of our rights. Okay. That was Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, hey, why don't you go ahead and uh, outline the program how we get hooked up with Reverend Paul Benz, MLKCC committee member. 
who uh, have an award named for him. Go right ahead. Uh, oh, thank you, Eddie. This, this Monday, uh, April 4th, is the 54th anniversary of the assassination of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And everybody knows he was the greatest peacemaker in United States history. Well, at that same time, we find that a lot of people get lost in time, their memories, who contributed so much to our community and so much towards, uh, towards true social justice and equality. People like Representative Vivian Caver, she passed away last year. We're gonna make sure she's recognized. Going all the way back to uh, Edwin T. Pratt, ran the uh, Urban League of Metropolitan Seattle, was assassinated, yet they've never found to this very day the people that killed him. A lot of events and great activities get lost in time. We want to bring them back and at least once a year just reflect on the loved ones that we've lost who helped make us who we are. To get well, let's see if we've been joined by Reverend. Has Reverend Benz joined us? Yes, yes, Eddie, I'm here. Thank you. Okay, I'm, well, I'm, you're on with, with Hayward too, sir. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, no, yep. yeah. Yep. Okay, well, Hayward was going through the program, but we have you on because we got some more time. So uh, I want to have an exchange after you. You talk about uh, MLK a bit and the significance of uh, the Day of Remembrance and, and also honoring some people in the community who have done outstanding things. So Reverend Paul Benz is the immediate retired director of the Faith Action Network, is an MLKCC committee member, and one of the best lobbyists our community has ever had in Olympia. So Reverend Paul Benz, go right ahead. Eddie, it's always good to be on your uh, program uh, hey, we're good to hear your your comments, uh, and there is nothing more important in life than than two things: remembering our ancestors, and 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 doing that remembering by living our life the way that they would like to see us live our life for the beloved community. So it's one: the remembering, not forgetting from from whence we have come and from whose shoulders we stand on, and then continuing to live our life uh, the way that they would, the, the way of justice and the way of speaking truth to power, and that we are more powerful when we do that together, when we join our voices together. And that's exactly what Dr. King was doing. Um, and you can go event after event, rally after rally, and see how he was using his voice speaking truth to power and remembering himself on whose great shoulders he would stand like his own father and, and, and so many, so many others that went before him in the African-American community and, and in other communities. Um, so I am always uh, privileged and honored to be uh, present with the commemoration uh, committee uh, with you, Eddie, and with you, Hayward, and uh, look forward to thank uh, Pastor Hurd for hosting us again, as he did so kindly um, uh, a couple months ago, where again, we honored um, uh, uh, those workers, the workers in the vineyard, uh, the, the justice, the vineyard called justice and um, racial equity. So I look forward to that. Um, uh, I do, do wanna give just a plug for my new organization, Eddie and Hayward, uh, Partners for Social Change, Washington Partners for Social Change. We do our work in our own backyards always, right, uh, in our neighborhoods where it counts in our state. And uh, so, and I, I see the uh, Martin Luther King Jr. Commemoration Committee as one of my uh, important partners as we do 
continue together to the, do the work of racial justice. Um, so I think it's uh, uh, right and honorable that we come together on Monday night and um, looking forward to, to that event. I think of the, uh, the great work that's being done in our state and in our nation. I want to lift up um, just our neighbors to the south in California that are beginning the, the good works of rec, uh, reparations uh, for the African-American community, uh, first state in this country to actually do that. And uh, the good but um, an honorable bill that got uh, a needed bill that got signed finally after, after um, 200 times of failing. And it shows, it shows the, the true nature of this country in that why did it take so long to add lynching to uh, our hate crime laws, our, hate, our federal hate crime laws? Uh, that, that is, that is a, a shame that finally got corrected just this past week. Thank you very much, Reverend Possible. I call you Apostle Paul. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, are... what I wanted to do is uh, have uh, Hayward go over the program and uh, then that way, because uh, you'll receive a copy a little later on, Reverend Paul, since you're on the committee. So, hey, why don't you go ahead and share with our listening audience uh, the rest of the program? Well, first, hey, thank you for being with us, Reverend Benz. And for those who don't know, uh, Reverend Paul Benz got the first Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee Living Legacy Award. I mean, truly, he is a living legend in our community. And we're so grateful that we, that we have you, Reverend Paul, leading the way. And I know personally, I'm looking forward to working with the partner, uh, Partners for Social Change. I, I know it's going to be excellent. But the program itself is going to be on at Holgate uh, Street Church of Christ. And that's on Martin Luther King Way uh, on Holgate Street, just two blocks north of the uh, Martin Luther King Civil Rights Memorial Park. Uh, the award, um, it's going to be an award ceremony, but also a reflection on what's transpired in the civil rights movement. For me personally, I like to look locally. We have people that are stakeholders here in the community, the, the uh, grandchildren of, of different people locally who've, uh, who've passed away in the movement, yet they've contributed so much. An example would be uh, Jackie Jones Walsh in the labor union. You know who I'm talking about, uh, Rev oh, yeah. and uh, Berlin oh, yeah. Jones, uh, yep. D. Charlene. These people yep. need to be remembered and their children and their great grandchildren who are here need to know the legacy and become invested. And that's why we're looking down the lines, Martin Luther King uh, Civil Rights Memorial Park also to house the Pacific Northwest Civil Rights Memorial Museum. So that mm -hmm. those histories are kept and maintained, shared, and we have all people coming together. But the award ceremony is going to be Monday, 5.30. Uh, great. You know, we always feature a variety of ethnic dishes, Eddie, you know, that you've talked to uh, Velma Bolori bringing in food from the uh, Filipino Asian community. We have uh, uh, Estela Ortega from El Centro. Uh, we're looking at getting a Latino food. And you know, Ezel's is always there, Rev. <laughs> you know, Ezel's <laughs> will be there. I, 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 come, I, I come because of, of Eddie's invitation, but I also uh, come because Ezel's is there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, it, you know, uh, we, we have five award recipients. The, uh, um, the Living Legacy Award will be going to Chris H. Bennett. Chris is a founder of the uh, Medium newspaper over 50 years ago. We haven't always agreed, but day in and day out, he's been there as an advocate yep. to improve yep. the quality of life within our community. And then we mm -hmm. just had him on earlier, Dr. Brent Jones. 
get the uh, Thelma DeWitty Award for uh, Educational Advocacy. And I'm so disappointed here, Eddie, and for the listenership who doesn't know, uh, a Representative uh, Christine Harris-Towley is not going to run for re-election oh, wow. okay. in the 37th yeah. Legislative District. But, yeah, but, right. she is, but she is receiving the uh, State Senator John Henry Ryan Award. And for those who don't know, in 1921, there was a bill submitted in the legislature that, that, uh, pro- that prohibited interracial marriage. Well, he defeated it. The first African-American in the state legislature defeated that piece of legislation in 1921. So the award's named after him. The Central District Community Preservation Development Authority is getting the uh, Community uh, Leadership Award. That's named after um, Edwin T. Pratt, the assassinated director of the Urban League in the early 70s. 1969. 1969. February 1969 in the snow. In Shoreline. Haven't found his murderer to this very day. Last but not least, uh, Larry Brown from uh, Washington State Labor Council, the president, is getting the Uniting Workers Award, uh, A. Philip Randolph. And again, there's so much to be done. And considering everything happening around us, it's in the spirit of of love and humanity is what we need to come together. All this nonsense about hating each other is absolutely ridiculous. We we as a species need to think of ourselves as one. We are not that different. Hey, we're Eddie. I just want to say, uh, just add an additional comment, if I could, on uh, Representative Harris Talley uh, uh, not running again. Uh, And there are two other members of our of our wonderful African American caucus in the state legislature that are not running as well. Uh, Representative Jesse Johnson from Federal Way, and I just found out yesterday that Representative Deborah Entman from the 47th district down South King County, Auburn Way, is not running either. And I just want to say this, uh, I'm, I'm not going to name names, um, but I, I will say this, that, and, and I know who I'm speaking to in the audience, that um, it is not easy. It is not easy uh, to be uh, an, an African-American legislator in a, in a white institution. So, um, I, and I, I can repeat that, it, it, it's not easy to be uh, an African-American legislator a legislator of color of, 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 of any ethnic background, um, of, of, of a community of color, of a BIPOC community, to um, uh, live and exist until we transform the, the white institution known as, as the Washington State Legislature into a truly an equitable place uh, to, to work. Um, we will continue to see resignations like this. You know, on that, on that note, Rev, I, even uh, Representative Talley, she made it clear she said she would present bills that they wouldn't even get out of committee, her own committee. And then, and then uh, all of the legislation, the progressive legislation that was passed at, in terms of police accountability have been, um, have been retracted or, or reduced. Did you yeah. see that a lot of that in Olympia? Uh, you know, Hayward, I've, uh, you and Eddie know, uh, and some of my, my favorite uh, lobbying memories is, is, is with you guys um, as we advocated uh, for the Dr. McKinney Center. Um, uh, there at the uh, Technical College on 23rd and Jackson. Um, but yes, over, over 20 years worth um, uh, showed me uh, nothing new, and that is that this is uh, basically uh, still a white male-run institution. And um, uh, it is changing. Um, in, in the last five years, 
Um, uh, the last two, of course, we've been remote because of COVID. But um, the last few years, there has been more Afro-American lobbying presence than ever before. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons, one of the reasons why in the 21 session, not the most recent one, but in the 21 session, we achieved so much what I would call social change, significant social change legislation, particularly around police reform. That led to yesterday's vote on the front page of today's Seattle Times led to the 14-4 vote uh, by the Criminal Justice Training Commission about how, how the commission will enforce decertifying uh, law enforcement officers uh, who have not done the right thing, to, to put it quite simply. So. And uh, do you, uh, what, uh, have you heard ex exactly why Representative Johnson, he was like such a rising star. As a matter of fact, we had uh, uh, Representative uh, Karen Bass on from uh, represents a lot of the city. She's running for mayor of LA now. Yeah. And she heard uh, Representative Jesse Johnson's legislation and she wanted me to get a copy for him to send her a copy of it. She yep. thought that yep. much of it, but unfortunately, I guess this session around, it was kind of dismantled or weakened. Is that the case? That, that, that is the case, uh, Eddie, and, and again, you too and, and the audience knows that when you, when, when you uh, I, right now I'm straightening my backbone, I'm straight, and, and when you do that, and when you speak the truth to power about transforming an institution that's been around a long time, our law enforcement, and I'm not disrespecting um, those that are doing the good work in, in our law enforcement communities, we need them. But we also know the, the legacy and from whence that law enforcement system in this country came, right? Um, and when you, when you introduce bills and pass bills that, that attempt to, to change that system, then, then you, th there will be consequences. And, and um, I have the greatest respect for, I consider him my friend and my colleague, uh, Representative Jesse Johnson. And I'm saddened to see him go. I know he's also going because of personal and family reasons. Um, and I think it'd be good to have him on, uh, Eddie and, and Hayward, and, um, and maybe all three at the same time that are, that are not running again. But um, because sometimes it's easier to, to say these things that I'm saying, especially when you're a, a legislator and elected official, when you can do it together. But uh, there, there was a lot of pushback, a lot of pushback. And uh, we saw that this session, fortunately, we were able to fight back most of what I call the pushback bills, the clarifying, the, the balancing bills is the diplomatic way to say it. Uh, and we will continue to see pushback on, on the vote that took place yesterday in the Criminal Justice Training Commission. But um, we need to continue to do the hard work of, of changing, transforming uh, the, the institutions in this society, in our state that have been too long um, um, not doing the right thing for our communities. I want to let my listeners know that you're listening to Reverend Paul Benz, uh, the former director of the Faith Action Network of Washington, and now has the Washington Partners for Social Change and uh, MLKCC and Washington Partners for Social Change will be tied together at the hip. So we are uh, both striving for equality for all folks in Washington state in every aspect of life. I want to ask Eric, have we been joined by uh, Minister Jimmy Hurd yet? Okay, we, so okay, we'll continue. So uh, Hayward, in terms of uh, the program itself, I want to let people know that uh, we have a commitment from Josephine Howell, Reverend Paul, 
and also <laughs> from Chandler Williams, who's in a recording studio in LA right now, but he'll be back Friday in time to do what's necessary. Also, Hayward, uh, uh, can you uh, uh, once again just briefly go down for the listeners that are just getting on board? I also want to let people know if people want to hear Reverend Paul Mills, Dr. Brent Jones, Hayward Evans, uh, Sharon Tomiko Santos, uh, you can go to Alexa and say Ur play Urban Forum Northwest and you can hear this uh, program. Want to let folks know that, share with folks who might be at work that don't have the access, you can let them know. You can hear from the dynamic new superintendent of Seattle Public Schools, Dr. Brent Jones. You also can hear the work that Representative Sharon Tomiko Santos has been doing. And you can hear uh, Apostle Paul talking about, <laughs> talking about what needs to happen for fairness in Olympia and other major white institutions. And uh, he's been a, uh, a brilliant person to work with because he knows so much about the legislative process and I'm so happy that he also represents our community when he's down there. So I really appreciate that. So, uh, Hayward, you want to give folks uh, the information one more time about the time, uh, who's going to be on the program. And we don't have to go with all the speakers right now because it's not going to be a keynote. Uh, we're asking for folks to do three to five minutes at most about Martin Luther King and not about your campaign and not about somebody <laughs> you don't like. But this here is an inclusive, fun-loving a loving event, which means that we respect each other and we talk about the impact that Dr. King had and the fact that he died 54 years ago uh, helping black garbage workers in Memphis because mm -hmm. some deranged person, we don't know exactly how it went because we know J. J. Edgar Hoover was actually busy trying to dis dis discour uh, uh, discourage him and also uh, disrespect him at the same time. Yep. So why don't you do that right quick and we'll wait and see if Minister Jimmy Hurd is uh, the pastor of Holgate Street Church of Christ, which is two blocks north of the Martin Luther King Memorial Civil Rights Park on Holgate and Martin Luther King Jr. Way South. Uh, the program will start at 530. Uh, the reception, the light reception will be at 530. The program will start at 6. We do have Josephine Howell, Chandler Williams, and uh, Claude Murphy is going to be saying we shall overcome, I think. So Whoa. anyway, that's for everybody. So, uh, Hey, would you want to go ahead and go down uh, the list of award recipients and also, Eddie, uh, yes. Eddie and Hayward, do, do, do you need me to stay on? Uh, if, if, if we want, you know, you're always welcome, sir. Yeah, your All choice. Right. Yeah, I'll, no, because we might have a comment or two. So, All right, I'll, I'll stay on for a couple more minutes. Hang on with us. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, I'll be brief. We have, we have five award recipients, absolutely fantastic people. And just so, so people know, there's a, there's a criteria in place. In order to be selected as a, a as a candidate and to receive the award, you have to have lived the principles that embody Dr. King in the civil rights movement. Hayward, I have messed up. I'm looking at my clock now, and we're supposed to take a break, and we have Amen. to come break back. time. Break time. <laughs> See y'all Monday, though. But break time. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity of Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. 
Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Tell your friends about Alternative Talk 1150. Okay, uh, Eddie Ryan back. I want to thank you once again for tuning in. Uh, also want to thank uh, the City of Seattle's Personal Construction Services Division uh, with Liz Alzier, uh, Sound Transit, uh, Office of Civil Rights with John T. Robinson, and also the Port of Seattle with, with uh, me and Rice, and also the Port Commissioners, and Sound Transit, the Chair of the Port of Sound Transit Board, Kent Keel. And I want to give a shout out condolence uh, to Jacqueline Smith Armstrong and uh, uh, Yolanda again, uh, their mother passed away, uh, Miss uh, Betty Jo Smith, and uh, it's going to be a private service, but uh, she was very active in the community. So I definitely want to give a shout out to her and hopefully condolences uh, to uh, her family members. So Hayward and I will see you Monday at 530 at uh, the Holgate Street Church of Christ on Holgate and Martin Luther King Jr. Way South, two blocks north of, uh, of the Martin Luther King Memorial Civil Rights Park. So uh, Hayward and I will be there, and uh, hopefully Ezel's and uh, uh, my, Miguel Maestas is bringing the Mexican food. I'm going to be calling Ron Dixon and Dadabudu Dash about the Indian food, and we will deal with the soul food. And like Reverend Paul Ben say, he's looking forward to greeting Ezel's uh, thighs and wings and everything else <laughs> they're bringing. And we'll also be talking with some other folks about other ethnic dishes. So until then, we'll see you later, and thank you very much for tuning in. Thank you. Hear this in two hours.